0: Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM,
2: The Answer. Thanks, everybody. Nine o'clock hour unfolding before your ears here on this President's Day, Monday, February 19th, 2024. And today in particular with some of what we're examining and and some of the focus on some of the primary battles and what lies ahead on March 5th and, of course, most importantly, on November 5th. There are so many statements that we as conservatives can make. An average election, a normal election, is our opportunity to say that we like our policies better than the Democrats. And obviously, that is a statement we will make in droves sufficient number of droves, I certainly hope so, in November. Here in the primaries, it's an opportunity within the Republican House to see who is going to prevail in the various internecine squabbles that we have here inside the Republican Big Tent. We have the opportunity to to bring to an end some of the manipulative Insufficient conservatism of Dade Phelan. That's all about District 21, as I just mentioned. But throughout the House, in various races, there are people who have inexplicably remained so deeply up his butt that they that they are just indiscernible from Democrats on some issues. And they will they will crow and strut and tell you about the various things that they did, and they do have some things, some notches on their belt that they can claim. But it's not enough. The Texas House needs to look more like the Texas Senate, consistently, unapologetically conservative. And Lord knows the Texas Senate has a couple of head cases they got to work with in the, uh, in the coming years as well. And a couple of vacancies to fill in this primary season and in November. We have an opportunity. We have a swamp in Washington. We have a swamp in Austin. We can do something about this. And some of, in the last few years, some of the Republican versus Republican squabbles have been some of the more interesting ones. And some of them have been because of a complete sea change, not just nationally, but globally. This past weekend, uh, there were events on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Putin's forces just obliterating another American, uh, another Ukrainian, excuse me, uh, city leading American interests who are fascinated with the notion of forever war in Ukraine uh, to try to double down and Senator and uh, Congressman Mike Rogers of Ohio, the House Intel chairman, Congressman Mike Rogers, uh, Mike Turner, excuse me, Mike Turner of Ohio was on with Kristen Welker on Meet the Press. I'll play that for you here in a second, but also over in Europe, also over in Munich at something called the Munich security conference. Did you hear anything that came out of that? I did I want you to hear a gentleman because as we look at all these various peripheral, or as they say in Maryland, peripheral issues, uh, a, a lot of it drills down to November and what we want to have happen in November. And a lot of the, the desire for a Trump victory involves uh, whom should he run with as as the the weeks and months pass, let's call it weeks really, since it's been an obvious Trump renomination. Um, I somehow don't see the Desantis thing. Just for some reason, I just I don't see him asking, not out of a grudge, necessarily, because again, Trump is completely transactional. Whatever helps him is something he will embrace immediately. Grudges no longer matter. Personal squabbles of the past no longer matter. He's proven that time and time again, which, by the way, is a wonderful way to be, is a fantastic way to look at life. Um, it, Which is, I mean, listen, Rick Perry called Donald Trump a cancer on conservatism. You could say Donald Trump and Ted Cruz had some back and forth, you know, low so many years ago. They got over it. Trump did everybody else did too um i i had a tough time explaining my friend rick perry uh it, it, the governor rick is very swamp friendly these days in in some of his um endorsements and uh in proclivities uh i don't know i don't know god love him he'll be my buddy forever but anyway so we have so many statements we can make and one of the statements we're making to the world to the world, is that we are going to consider our interests first, every world trouble spot, and our degree of interest in spilling American blood and treasure into those trouble spots will be seen through the lens of what it means to American peace and prosperity. And that means that some foreign trouble spots will meet the bar, some will not. To me, perhaps to you, perhaps not, Ukraine does not. Now we get to that portion of the discussion where it's possible for multiple things to be true at the same time. So many things seem to be binary. You know, Zelensky, either good guy or bad guy. Putin, either good guy or bad. Putin's a very bad guy. He totally, totally had that guy killed. Alexander Navalny, he totally had him killed. Now, but does that mean he's Hitler and that if we have a negotiated settlement where this war comes to an end and we can stop funneling billions and billions and billions down that Ukrainian rat hole? Does that mean that that Putin absolutely takes that as a signal to say, all right, next up, Poland is 1930s all over again. But what about Moose and Squirrel? No, it doesn't mean that, especially if Trump is president. So where I was headed for some of this in the um, Trump running mate derby, who do you want to have running with him? Um, Tim Scott was on Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream and talked about how the world was just safer with Trump as president. And it was. And at that Munich security conference, it was kind of a panel of uh, just the, the, the panel of European globalists. And the air is just filled with with everybody just clutching their pearls over what Trump said the other day about about NATO. What Trump has said about NATO is it is insufficiently paying its own tab. A ton of NATO countries just say, wow, it's like being out with your buddies. And one of your buddies is rich. And so you just presume that that he's going to pay for everything. And if he does. That everybody else just kind of falls easily into that mindset. Hey, Danny will pay, man. He's he always does. America is that rich buddy. We've paid for everything forever. So it's hard. It's gonna it's gonna make people's heads explode if all of a sudden we go to various other countries and say, uh, guys, you have money too. You have a military too, and this problem, this whole Ukraine thing, is in your backyard. So here is Ohio Senator J.D. Vance at the Munich Security Conference.
1: I know people have heard what, you know, Trump said, and, you know, they've criticized it, and they said, well, Trump is going to abandon Europe. I don't think that's true at all. I think Trump is actually issuing a wake-up call to say that Europe has to take a bigger role in its own security. Germany, just this year, will spend more than 2% of GDP, Okay. Uh, that, of course, is something that we had to really push for in the United States, and it just now has finally cleared that threshold. But it's not just about money spent. How many mechanized brigades could Germany field tomorrow? Maybe one. Maybe one. Okay. The problem with Europe is that it doesn't provide enough of a deterrence on its own because it hasn't taken enough of a it hasn't taken the initiative in its own security. I think that the American security blanket has allowed European security to atrophy. And again, the point is not we want to abandon Europe. The point is we need to focus as a country on East Asia and we need our European allies to step up in Europe.
2: That's it. That's it. And I, I tweeted last night or x that should probably not be a verb. Uh that that the uh that what you hear there is the sound of running mate stock on the rise. Now J.D. Vance is a bib, he's a baby. He's 39. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
2: Youngest person ever to become president, not JFK. Close. Teddy Roosevelt. He was forty two. President McKinley was assassinated. 39. Well, we're not talking about making him president. He'd be vice president. But here's the thing with Trump. I know Trump will outlive us all. He'll be 137. But if not, then you end up with J.D. Vance as president of the United States. Is that so shocking? Not to me. I, um, I'm i at the point. You know, listen, I'm a guy who seems to spend every day telling you that race and sex don't matter so much. I Neither does age. I, I take people on face value of what's in their head, what's in their heart. Now, and it's kind of funny. The, the whole notion of Vivek, his problem was not that he was too young; it's that he was just kind of flighty on some things. And I know I had that great Kurt Schlichter line: "We can't have a president who first heard Nirvana on a classic rock station." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Vivek was remains genius on a whole lot of things. Now J.D. Vance, just what, a couple years older, if that, if uh, than than Vivek. Could I see him as as Vice President of the United States? You know, learn learning at the uh in the shadow of Trump in a Trump administration 2.0? Sure can. I sure can. And he may well help bring you, hello, Ohio. So um so there we are. Let me pause because there's also a lot of talk about uh about Tim Scott. Let me do let me do this first, actually, though, before we get to before we get to Tim Scott, who is great, whom I love, and there is something you know sort of complementary with an e also with an i <laughs> because he he loves him some trump uh that there's something uh, just stylistically complementary obviously racially complementary uh there's there's but i just mm, every time i see tim scott i stop down and i say okay let me listen to this guy can i see him as the running mate before we do that though, real quick here is Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio. He's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and he is part of this this constantly traveling, moving, grooving, operating community of members of Congress who are lobbying every day, lobbying you every day for forever war. Kristen Welker. Meet the press. All
3: right, well, let's talk about Ukraine specifically. A key city has now fallen to Russian forces. President Zelensky, in his remarks there in Munich, called for more U.S. aid. Called Shocker. Vital. But many House Republicans have argued the U.S. can't set, keep sending billions of dollars without a clear strategy.
2: Exa- exactly. Exa- thank you, Kristen. Oh, but wait.
3: You've spoken to Zelensky. Is the Republican Party... In danger of basically surrendering Ukraine to Vladimir Putin
2: is the Republican Party. Like it's like it's our job. Is the Republican Party in danger of surrendering to Putin?
4: Wow. Well, the um, the speaker has made a commitment to secure the funding for uh, for Ukraine. When we met with Zelensky today, we did meet in the backdrop of of Ukraine troops having conceded land to Russia as a result of shortage of stockpiles of weapons. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's one way of putting it. So if only we had provided them more weapons, if only we'd given them more money, if only we had just buried them in more American stuff, oh, then this, this city would not have fallen. Then things would be going great. The whole problem, the reason Putin has not been driven with his tail between his legs from Ukrainian soil, is that America, are you listening, taxpayers? Because you and I, we have not done enough. How's that message going to go over on the campaign trail in 2024? That you and I have not done enough for Ukraine.
4: Zelensky described the math that he's facing of dwindling stockpiles at the same time Russia is turning to both Iran and North Korea for weapon systems. Uh, Zelensky, of course, did not blame his current situation or what occurred today uh, on the delay that's occurring, although he did indicate that he's certainly worried uh, that the the delay could cause a gap in weapons getting to Ukraine. I'll
2: tell you what I'm worried about. I'm worried about money we don't have and weapons we may need being funneled down a Ukrainian rat hole. that That's my worry. Obviously, it, it, it was, it was a, a bad thing for Putin to invade Ukraine. Nobody wanted that to happen, but it did. Guess what? It's the world. Sometimes authoritarian autocrat leaders are going to you know, reach out and claim neighboring territories. And we got to figure out whether it's worth a ton of American money. And every single one of these people, they're just waiting. They're just waiting for you to get softened up enough to where they can talk about troops. Every single one of them, from Mike Turner to Nikki to every—just, they are are ready. Because if this is indeed the vital, earth-shattering, spinning-out-of-its-orbit American interest that they keep preaching to us that it is, why not send American men and women? to die in Ukraine. Why not? If it's that important, it's because it's not that important. We need a negotiated settlement and we'll, and we ain't going to get one under this president. I think we'll have one, you know, b- within possibly days after the Trump inauguration, which is another reason to mobilize on November 5th, 923. Well, it was either this or the Falco Library did not run that deep. But he would have been 67 today. Died back in '98. Plus, hit his car. Yikes!
3: <laughs>
2: Johann Hans Herzer <laughs> from Austria. <laughs> Catchy. Got into him. Happy Falco birthday to the '80s kids. So, all right, let's hop into news on time because there's just a little bit more of this. Mike Turner. Oh, we just, we just got to. We just America. We just got to give them more money. They just got to have more money what is driving these people whether it is the austin swamp the washington swamp the forever war uh, acolytes it's always a worthy expenditure of time to figure out what actually drives them what what really what do they want and what is what is their beacon what is the locomotive pulling their logical train and I'll tell you what the the whole Forever War Ukraine crowds is next, 9.30. In the newsroom, here's Nikki Whaley. The very first Eddie Money album, 1977. Yeah, it's hard to believe he's been gone almost five years. Yes, he had two tickets to Paradise on there. Baby, hold on. The album finished up. Last track, last night. Gambling Man. 866-660-5759. So, in the constant attempt to figure people out, you know, and it's just, and and it doesn't mean what I'm the show that always tells you your mind reading is impossible. But when people are doing things that just seem inexplicable, there's usually a reason why. In the Austin Swamp, where, where conservatives are, are 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 falling under the under the thrall of uh, of Dade Phelan, it is because he holds their fate in their hands. They simply have to brown-nose him at every turn in order to enjoy an ascendancy, a career path ascendancy in the House. There's no such obligation uh, in in the Texas Senate. In the Texas House, the dade Phelan Swamp has its acolytes and high priests among people, priestesses, among people who are willing to sell out what their voters want in order to do Dade Phelan's bidding. In the Ukraine gambit, there are people who know full well what America's best interests are and know full well what does and does not constitute a a national security threat or a vital national interest, but many of them are Cold War dinosaurs who simply cannot pry themselves away from the bad Russian cartoon stereotype. And obviously, Putin is a bad guy. He totally had Navalny killed. Putin is an authoritarian bad guy. He proved his bad guy stripes in invading Ukraine in the first place. But if America is going to pour treasure and blood into every world trouble spot where a bad guy does something bad, we'll be screwed forever and spread so thin we'll never be able to address our own interests. So, listen, it's funny. Earlier we were talking about presidents of your lifetime. And I was born during uh, the second term of Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my! Uh, and, and it was on his exit, the Eisenhower farewell speech, where he talked about. It's kind of funny. This was I. This was Ike. Now, this was not just president, but General Dwight David Eisenhower, who told us. He warned us about the. Pull of, interests of, the influence of, the military-industrial complex. This has been a tough nut to crack for many because, hey, military is good, right? Well, of course it is. Of course, (laughs) hello, thank you. These are people who are fighting for our country. The military, the management of our military has not always been wise right now the manager of our, our military is is at least as interested in welcoming trans soldiers as it is in winning wars that's not good uh, our, our our current pentagon is is steeped in in dei uh, choir boys that's not good um it's also like almost any other bureaucracy you do have to remember this while the pentagon is the bureaucracy that we task with protecting our interests, defending our freedom, God bless our soldiers, God bless the brass, God bless everybody at the Pentagon. My dad worked at the Pentagon for years, was great. Take your, take your son to work day it was very cool when dad worked at the Pentagon. Uh, but self-interest is at the core of every bureaucracy, and that means the Pentagon is not interested in having its interests reduced, but rather having its interests and its footprint expanded. Then you throw in the industrial part of the military-industrial complex. Thank God for Lockheed. Thank God for, you know, Grumman. Thank God for all the, all the people who have, have built weaponry and, and built tanks and built guns and built, you know, vehicles and armored troop. carriers. just, thank you. Thank you. You know, the outgoing Kay Granger in—, in uh, Congressional District 12 has been of enormous value to our country and to that district because a ton of that stuff's been built in the district. Thank you. And so much of it is stuff that we need. But again, nobody in that community is in the mood to say, you know what, maybe this is not something we need to spend billions and billions more on. Maybe what we do need to be spending money on is things that are about American security, American borders, American interests, American prosperity, American national security, and not every flippin' far-flung trouble spot. That is what an America first foreign policy means, and defense contractors know that that means less money for them if we're not flitting out to the four corners of the world to put out every brush fire. So that's is what fuels people like Congressman Mike Turner.
4: Uh, those in attendance of the U.S. delegation certainly pledged their support, and I do think that there is an opportunity when we get back to Washington to move this important aid package forward, because it is so critical. if you know, Vladimir Putin is a murderous thug, and uh, what he is doing... In Ooh,
2: the... can you say thug anymore? Well, Putin must be black. Sorry. You did catch that over the weekend? That the... Uh... Mayor of Kansas City thought the governor's reference to the uh, Kansas City Super Bowl parade shooters as thugs and silly, silly me. If you, if, if your, if your little uh, street dust-up turns into dead people because of your shooting people, Willy, nilly that to me is thug behavior. Whether you're, if you're Scandinavian, that strikes me as thug behavior. There's, there's nothing racial about my identification of a thug. So anyway, so hey, gee, white, white, uh, white people can be thugs too.
4: Atrocities and the war crimes in Ukraine need to be responded to. I was speaking yeah. to the mayor of Kiev today, and he was saying this is the front line of, of the authoritarian regimes and democracy, and it is.
2: Of, co- of course it is. Of course it is. The mayor of Kiev thinks he's the center of the known universe. And by the way, listen, he's the mayor of Kiev. It's his city. It's his country. I get it. I totally I understand from a from a Kievian perspective, from a Ukrainian perspective. I totally get it. That uh, it's their country, it's their city. But it's not our country. Here in our country, we've got to figure out what is in our best interest.
3: Well, as you know, President Zelensky has been asking for this aid since October for five months now. Has Speaker Johnson given you any assurances that he is going to bring Ukraine aid to the floor?
4: Nope. Well, President Johnson has made a number of public... President Johnson, Speaker Johnson, Freudian slip statements committing uh, to finding a pathway for the aid for Ukraine. But,
2: but you know what that pathway is? It's called taking care of our border before we take care of theirs. It's called caring. Just can, can people try to seem to remotely care as much about the American border as they do about the Ukrainian border? That's what Speaker Mike Johnson's uh, pathway is. You want some, uh, you know, extra money for Ukraine? How about, uh, how about a little something-something for our own country?
4: Uh, I believe him. I think that we will. Uh, and this does need to get done. This is absolutely critical for U.S. support uh, for Ukraine and to oppose Russian aggression.
3: But as you know, a lot of Republicans oppose this, Chairman Turner. Do you believe Donald Trump's opposition to sending more funding to Ukraine is the reason why it doesn't have more support among Republicans?
4: Yeah. <clears throat> well, <I> <laughs> That's what The throat clear says it all. Certainly people are very disappointed that the negotiations on the border deal in the Senate broke down and did not result in in a plan. Now, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 2, which would have resulted in uh, closing the border, the the remain-in-Mexico policy of the prior administration, and would have allowed uh, for moving forward with aid for Ukraine, Taiwan. It
2: also would have built uh, 900 miles of wall would have been in there as well.
3: Chairman, Republicans asked for the border deal. A lot of Republicans said that the Senate... Deal was the best deal that they'd seen in decades, but sticking on... No
2: wall, no sale.
3: This question, do you place some of the responsibility on Donald Trump for the reason that more Republicans don't support sending more aid to Ukraine, which you have now just said is critical?
2: I see what she's doing there. Here's, here's the deal. Trump has his worldview shared by... A whole lot of America first conservatives. So if you have an America first conservative in the House who's not uh, quite as beholden to dumping more money on Ukraine, it's not because uh, the Trump wizard told them to feel that way. It's because they feel that way already.
4: It is critical, and I think there's certainly a sufficient support in both the House of Representatives and the Senate uh, in order to get that aid package done. I think members who are in opposition, you know, have had their own path to get there, of their own concerns. But I do know that if you look at this issue uh, of the, uh, the effects of the allowing Russia to continue in, in its aggression, the fact that it would jeopardize other areas of, of Europe, that this is very, very important for the United States. <laughs> then, then, dude,
2: let let Europe play a bigger hand. I, I tell you, if 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 there were, I will. I you know how I feel about this, right? I think I made it clear. I will give you some ways where the American people will be willing to free up the purse strings and and throw some more money at Zelensky. Number one, nine hundred miles of wall on our own border, and number two, Europe carrying at at least half, at least half of the financial uh, burden of this uh, Ukrainian relief effort. The Ukrainian support ever. You do those two things, and I think you'd see Americans willing to... Uh, I mean, I'd smile on it a little more. Under the current circumstance, no wall, and America getting hosed? Nope. Nope. We're in Dallas. Bruce, welcome. How are you doing, sir? Happy Monday.
5: Well, it's, uh, good morning, sir. Happy President's Day to hey, you, too. Hi. It's been a long time since I've talked to you, but it's the same subject. It's the unstable Europe, and... Uh, i, I got to tell you, history uh, proves that uh, that the uh, the issue is significant with respect to Ukraine because I think Vladimir Putin would not necessarily stop there, and I think Europe uh, right. other countries realize it, and they are stepping up. I don't know uh, – to be honest with you, I read recently that, that – I can't remember which countries, but they, they are stepping up and putting money in there more than usual – uh, our problem, yeah, we got a problem with in, in the, the wall and, and, and keeping uh, the border uh, under uh, control. But we also got a problem with uh, everything. We got a problem. We all need Medicare, particularly people like us. No, sure, sure. Me.
2: But this is this is a lot. But this this is fairly linear and fairly. Uh, I remember.
5: Similar. Yeah, I remember when uh, within a short period of time. Uh, at the beginning of World War II, the Nazis were all lined up in Madison Square Garden, and they had their uniforms and everything else, and they were already had, had a well-organized show going. And we're used to saying we're so far away from Europe and all this other stuff, but we're really not, and we're closer today with, uh, you know, the modern uh, communications than we ever uh, were no, before. So. Somehow or other, we've got to figure out a way to save Ukraine.
2: Well, well guess what? No, we don't. Maybe you know you you know the way to save Ukraine to save as much of it as possible is Putin gets maybe the eastern 25 percent of it and and we're done here maybe that's it we don't always get everything we want and the notion that this is the Nazis this is Hitler is just historical illiteracy born of people who want to goad us into forever war and I ain't having it 950. Let's go back to the fall of
5: 1976.
2: The great Jeff Lynn and the boys of the Electric Light Orchestra and Mission, a world record. From the new world record LP. Here on the planet Earth, here in America, here in Texas, another show goes by the wayside. Producer Ron Dekay Moreland on the exit. Producer Ron Dekay, R-O-N-D-A, capital K. He's back, tanned, rested, and ready. Mr. Matt with the technical guru skills. And thank you, Nicky Whaley, for news excellence. Get your tickets now. It's a week from tomorrow. Cigar Night with you, me, and Dr. Sebastian Gorka at Cigars International Fort Worth. Get your tickets now at 660AMTheAnswer.com. Also, while you're on the website, throw us a little something there for the Food for the Poor campaign. I thank you. These kids thank you. Click the Give Life banner. Have a great day. Mike Gallagher is next. See you in the morning. Mark Davis, 660 Answer.